As you're being seated, you may want to grab your Bible or look on your device, John chapter 15, John chapter 15. It is a joy to be able to speak about purpose from the Word of God. Who are we? Why are we here? Can I say we are the church and our mission matters, amen? But in order to know that your mission matters, you need to know what your mission is. And so we've invested some time in the last two weeks and then today of reminding ourselves through the lens of Scripture, who are we, why are we here? On the front of your bulletin, you see uh, most every week at the top, discover Christ, serve others, grow what? Strong. Grow what? Strong. And so this is who we are and why we're here. And we're going to talk about that again through the lens of John chapter 15. The focus this morning is about growing strong. And we've said previously, we have one mission. That is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission from Matthew 28, 18 through 20 that, that we discerned earlier, two weeks ago, is it says, Go therefore and make what? disciples. How do we do that? Going, baptizing, and teaching them as we live out who we are in Christ. Now, as you have your place in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, if you're able to stand, we're going to honor the reading of God's Word as you stand, and uh, we're going to look at God's Word that is living, life-giving, it's active, It is transforming as we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more, what? Fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Grow strong. In this text, there are two key words. One is abide and the other is fruit. And you see a progression. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. But you see a connection. We must abide to have fruit spiritually. And so may that become more clear as we journey through this message today. Let's pray. Father, by your Spirit, the Spirit of truth, we ask that you'd guide our minds to understand this truth. And Father, that you will grow our desire to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. And give us a desire every day that we awake to invest all that we are and all that we have for His glory by making Him known and by growing to be more like Him as true disciples. 
Father, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Go ye therefore, make disciples of all the nations. That's why when you hear that uh, promotion, that be praying for those that are experiencing crisis, this time hurricane, flooding, uh, destruction as a result of that, uh, we as Southern Baptists are thankful to be able to cooperate together and to be able to be ready in a phone call to mobilize to go help brothers and sisters in needs. Uh, in need, many of them we do know, do not know. Uh, their need may be spiritual as much as it is physical, but going practically to meet physical needs in order that we may share the love of Christ. That's part of disciple making. That's part of bearing fruit. And disciple making is what we do. This is what we do. We make disciples by going, baptizing, teaching as we learn to leverage our life. When we get up in the morning, to invest time and talent and treasure in order to make Christ known to others. We are the body of Christ, of which He is the head. We are the church, and Jesus has given us our purpose, our mission, and we understand that to be making disciples. This mission matters much. Wouldn't you say so? Let me give you some reasons it matters much. Every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors compared to just over 1,000 that are planted. Every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity, which means those that used to go quit going. From 1990 to the year of 2000, the combined membership of all Protestant denominations in the United States declined by 5 million members, or 9.5%. While the United States population grew by 24 million or 11 percent. Half of all churches in the United States did not add any new members in the last two years. The United States now ranks third, only behind China and India, in the number of people who are not professing Christians. In other words, the United States is becoming an ever-increasing, unreached people group. Shelby County is said continuously to be the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. Chelsea is identified as the second fastest-growing city in the state of Alabama. Hopefully, through some of these numbers, you can see there is a concerning gap that is growing a gap between uh, the body of Christ and our mission and our purpose in making Christ known and those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's also great opportunity that we presented. Shelby County is the most, one of the most vibrant counties in the state of Alabama. It is a place of fast growth, but it's a place in which people growth is outnumbering the, the ministry of the local churches when you put us all together. Therefore, it is the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. But look at the opportunity we have in Chelsea, Alabama. The positive side is uh, there is a world of people coming here. They have heard about the secret of living in Chelsea, Alabama, second fastest growing city in our state. But that means to a church that's over 170 years old, who is established and who is blessed, who has had the favor of God upon us, to whom much is given, much is required. 
We have a lot of folks that are well-meaning folks, well-meaning church-going folks at times when we hear statistics that are a little bit disturbing about that growing gap of lostness in us and around us. uh, They want to blame everything and everyone else for that growing gap. Uh, the, The most popular thing that we'll hear in the news today, it's all Trump's fault. If he wasn't president, then this gap wouldn't be growing, right? Now, don't look at me like you're super spiritual and I shouldn't have brought politics into it. The Republicans want to blame the Democrats, and the Democrats want to blame the Republicans. Pagans, it's all their fault. If we didn't have pagans among us, it wouldn't be like this. The culture wouldn't be dark. No, it's the hypocrites. It's the folks that go to church but are not really uh, like Christ. It's all their fault. Let me just give you a clue. Our problem is not the culture in which we live. In fact, you go back to the first century and you see a vibrant birth of a church that exploded in the midst of a dark and a hostile environment. And today, if you look deep into the globe, you'll see that the churches that are really the most vibrant and exploding in growth in the greatest way are the churches that are experiencing persecution and great resistance to the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that brings me to my conclusion. I really believe we are where we are because the church, the body of Christ, has been slack in disciple making in recent years. We have forgot that our purpose is indeed to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We say it but we don't live it out. On the bulletin, discover Christ. Serve others. Here's you another opportunity. Grow what? That's part of our personal responsibility in this process. That is an intentional process at Liberty Baptist Church about making disciples. Our expectations is that, that believers will engage, that you will desire with all that is within you to be with the body of Christ weekly in corporate worship. You are today. It is a good thing. But also weekly to be connected and serve points, using your gifts and abilities to serve your Savior in the church and through the church, but also to connect with a smaller group of believers so that your faith can grow strong. Now, here's the win at Liberty. The win is a believer who is active, and I've defined that last week. Active means weekly to me. A believer who is actively discovering Christ, serving others, growing strong through worship, serving, and small group. That's a win. The intentional process of discover Christ, serve others, and grow strong does fuel a disciple who is devoted to Christ, who is developing to be like Christ, and who is deployed to be on mission with Christ. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first step of the process, discovering Christ, through the lens of the Great Commission passage. And we looked at the what, and that is make disciples. We looked at the how, that's uh, going, baptizing, and teaching. We looked at the why, simply, Jesus said to, and people are lost. That's enough reason as to why, don't you think? Serve others was the next week. Last week, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Understanding that God has saved us, not to just sit and soak and wait on heaven one day, but He saved us to commission us to be on mission with Him and serve Him daily with our gifts and abilities that He's given us. 
in First Peter chapter four and verse eleven, and says, "Whatever we gift that we have, every one of us have those spiritual gifts. We are to minister with those gifts as with the ability that God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through the Lord Jesus Christ." Today we're going to unpack a little further this third aspect or third step in the process of our intentional disciple-making process of grow strong. So, if our business is to make disciples, and it is, then we cannot afford to have a fuzzy vision of what a disciple is. So, I have gone to an extreme to be redundant and to say it week after week for the last three weeks, particularly about who a disciple is and what a disciple is. But we need to understand, just as Apple designs, develops, and sells consumer electronics, computer software, healthy churches have a purpose too, very focused to make disciples who make disciples, those disciples that look like Jesus. Look at your sermon notes. Here's your definition again by Craig Etheridge from his book, Bold Moves. I like this, this definition of a disciple. Who is a disciple? With clarity, he says, a true disciple is a person who is devoted to Jesus, who is developing the character and competencies of Jesus, and who is deployed into the ministry of Jesus by reaching the lost and investing in a few. And so it is, a true disciple is devoted, developing, and deployed. We're going to use those words today. You read the New Testament, the Apostle Paul had clarity. He understood who he was in Christ. He understood what his mission was as he told others about Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, to the church in Rome, he said, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined for a purpose. What was that? To be conformed to the image of his Son. That's part of growing strong. To the churches in Galatia, he wrote, I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Galatians 4.19. To the church at Corinth, he said, But we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him. Him is who? Jesus. Yes, 1 Corinthians 3.18. And to the church at Colossae, he wrote, He is the one that we proclaim, Jesus being the one, admonishing and teaching with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in, guess who? Christ. In Him, in Christ, Colossians 1.28. So in every church and to every person, Paul's goal was the same, that you know Jesus and you grow to be like Jesus. That was his mission. He wanted people to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be people who would reflect like a mirror reflects an image, to reflect the image of Christ, and to mature into the likeness of Jesus in character as well as conduct. Paul was all about growing people to be true disciples, Christ followers. So grow strong, John chapter 15. Our mission is to help develop believers to grow up to be like Jesus Christ. 
And so John 15 is going to be a foundation scripture that we use this morning to go with that de- definition of disciple. A growing disciple is to be devoted to Jesus, develop like Jesus, and be deployed for Jesus. In John 15, Jesus paints an image for us. He teaches us that his relationship to his disciples is like the relationship of the vine and the branches. The vine is the life-giving source to the branch. Jesus is the life-giving source to his disciples. The emphasis is on abiding or remaining or staying connected to Christ. So just as the branch is helpless and fruitless without the life-giving source of the vine, followers of Christ are helpless and fruitless without an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. As you think about your life and with the help of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God being a mirror in front of you as we talk about fruit this morning, would you say that your life has fruit? Your life is producing more fruit or your life is producing much fruit? And I guarantee you it's all going to hinge on how well you're abiding or remaining in this relationship with Jesus Christ. There are three significant markers in the life of a growing disciple. Number one, a growing disciple, on your notes, is devoted to Jesus. That was a no-brainer, wasn't it? What that means is a growing disciple abides, remains in Christ. Here's where you need to really pay attention. The first step to abiding in Christ is being born again. This is where the journey really begins to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is, this is basic discipleship 101, right? But where do we go wrong in the body of Christ? Probably where we go wrong is assuming that everybody knows that the first step of abiding in Christ is to know Christ personally and being born again. Uh, true disciple begins when a person turns from his own sin and turns to Jesus alone for forgiveness of sin and salvation. Can I say there is no disciple apart from conversion? We need to understand that conversion biblically is more than head knowledge and conversion biblically is more than just verbal profession. It takes an inner change in an inner heart that reflects Christ. So the first step in becoming a disciple is responding to Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. Paul would say it this way in Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be, what? Saved. In John's gospel narrative, John chapter 3, earlier, he's already said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, if you or I, believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall not perish, but we will have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be, what? Saved. And so biblical conversion involves acknowledgement of personal sin before a holy God a belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, fully God, fully man in one person, and that only through His death on the cross in our place, His atoning death, His, His substitutionary death, and only through the victory that is won through His resurrection on the third day can we be forgiven and receive the gift of salvation. 
In other words, I must personally turn from my sin and turn to Jesus in simple faith. That's what Jesus meant in John 3 when he told Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. Jesus' first sermon in his public ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, records it. The first word, repent, turn from your sin, and then, and believe in the gospel. That is the first step of an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's my fear as a pastor. I fear that we have many people who sit in our churches on any given Sunday that have an affiliation with Christ but not a relationship, that have a head knowledge of who Jesus is and even an affirmation that I believe, I have no problem with believing in Jesus and that He is God's Son. But there's a host of people that have no evidence of spiritual fruit in their life that are regular church attenders, and I'm afraid, I'm fearful that we rely upon an intellectual knowledge and a verbal profession and maybe a religious ritual at some time in our past as a child to have the confidence that we are born again. Jesus said, it's by the fruit that you will be known. So my question is, where's the fruit? Is there fruit? Is there more fruit? Or is there much fruit? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus called out his first disciples. He said, follow me. Not religion. Follow me. Not a routine. Follow me, and I will change you. I will make you now not fishers for fish to eat and to sell, but you are going to be fishers of what? Men. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if anyone dares to follow me, he must first deny himself. And by the way, you have to do that to be born again. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and then follow me. John 15 and verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me. You cannot be devoted unless you're connected. You cannot be connected unless you're born again. Using John's terminology, you cannot abide unless you are connected to the vine, the life-giving source. We are connected by grace through faith in Christ. But once you're born again, the question then is one of obedience. Note in verse 7, John 15, the word if. If you abide in me, which raises a question that there's some doubt. There's a possibility that you may not abide in Him. There's a choice that is to be made. So every believer makes a choice every day. You might be a branch that has been connected to the vine. But are you a branch that is producing spiritual fruit? And verse 7 says, if you abide in me. So here's the question, decisions. Will I abide in Christ today? That's a choice we all have to make. Will I invest my time in God's Word today? It's a choice we get to make. Will I commune with my Heavenly Father through prayer today? Will I allow the Holy Spirit of God to instruct me today and direct my steps to live my life for His glory today? 
do we think in those terms when we wake up? Do, are we thinking that my life to live today with the time and the breath that God has given me, with the talents that he's entrusted to me, with the treasure that he's invested to me, that my life, all that I am and all that I have is for one purpose, no matter what my vocation is, that one purpose is to live today to make Christ known. So, are you born again? And if so, are you obedient daily, being devoted fully to the person of Jesus Christ? We're going to develop that thought a little more. Number two on your notes. A growing disciple not only is devoted to Jesus and Jesus alone, but is developing. So if you're one of those that says, I got saved when I was nine years old and there's no development, there's no discipline of the Word of God, there's really no prayer outside of crisis, there's no hunger and thirst for the things of God, there's no intentional witness for the Son of God, there's no spiritual evidence of growth and change in us, um, then you're not developing. But a growing disciple naturally develops just like a healthy plant is going to grow and going to produce, when we're healthy in Christ, we will develop to be like Christ. So let's consider this marker. Keep in mind, a disciple is one who follows Jesus and is in the process of growing up to be like Jesus. Theologians call this sanctification. That's the process by which the Spirit of God begins to mold and shape us, the people of God, children of God, into the image of God. Jesus prayed for this, John 17. Father, they are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so that word sanctification, separate them by truth. Set them apart by truth. Here's a reality in the world and the culture in which we live in, if we live in Christ and abide in Christ, we will abide in truth. And I guarantee you a life that is abiding in truth will be different and set apart in the world in which we live. It will be a light in the midst of darkness. Just as Jesus was set apart as God's only Son, God incarnate, fully God, fully man in one person, he came for the purpose to die on the cross. He was set apart for a redemptive purpose. The people of God who are in Christ today, we are set apart for the same purpose, a redemptive purpose. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. The mission of the church, to make disciples. We, we make disciples, and that's the part of the process of seeking and saving that which is lost. Making disciples. What does it mean to be set apart in the world that we live in? 1 John 2, 6. You might want to write that down look at it later. 1 John 2, 6. He who abides in him, in Christ, ought also himself to walk just as he walked. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul reminds us, you're not your own if you're a child of God. You've been bought with a great price, purchased by the blood of Christ. You're not your own. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Develop to be more like Christ. Walk as Jesus walked, but also do what Jesus did. John 14, 12, most assuredly, Jesus said, He who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. 
and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. What happened when Jesus went to his Father? The Holy Spirit came to us, came to the people of God. We see that at Pentecost. Two primary areas a true disciple develops in. One is character, Christ-likeness on the inside. What's in the inner person? Paul was referring to this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, when he said, Let each of you look not out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, this attitude, which is yours, is yours, the child of God, the disciple of Christ, in Christ Jesus. So that word mind can mean disposition or attitude. Paul's encouraging believers to have the same attitude, the same thoughts, the same character, the same internal makeup as Jesus Christ. That in Philippians chapter 2 is humility, esteeming others, investing your life for others. He mentioned a few ways that they could do that, being like-minded, unity of purpose, not looking out for their own interests, not selfish and division and and creating disunity, caring for the needs of others, considering others more important than themselves. All these are attitudes reflected in Christ. You might also want to write down that that character that starts on the inside and ends up as conduct on the outside, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. What does that inner development begin to look like? When we are born again and born from above, when the Spirit of God abides within us, when we abide in the Word of God, things begin to happen. The fruit of the Holy Spirit of God begins to grow in our inner person. What is that? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. By the way, that's not natural to the flesh. That is fruit of the Spirit of God. So here's my question. As we see that fruit of the Spirit of God and as the Holy Spirit of God examines inside of you, is there a quality of fruit in your character of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? That's a Christ-like character. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, basically, Uh, we see that fruit fleshed out in the life of Jesus perfectly. Keep in mind that the secret to developing is abiding. Abiding on a daily basis. Part of the fruit of John 15 is the development of that inner character. So the true disciple is growing on the inside. But the second component is this. Uh, That definition of a disciple by Craig Etheridge says, growing in the competencies of Christ. In the gospel narratives, when we read about Jesus training his disciples, there there are about three areas that, that come to mind. Jesus trained his disciples in the Word of God, to know the Word and to obey it. Over 70 times, Jesus quoted Scripture. Jesus demonstrated a commitment to know the Word and to obey the Word in his earthly ministry. Now, earlier in John's gospel narrative, John chapter 8 and verse 31, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, by the way, this is a marker of a true disciple. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, what does that mean? If you remain. 
if you're connected, if you desire, if you hang out with the Word of God, if you abide in the Word of God, stay connected to it, then you are truly my disciples. But there's a flip side. If you don't abide or remain or stay connected in the Word of God, then you're really not a true disciple. There ought to be a hunger, a desire, and a connection with the Word of God. Jesus taught that to His disciples. So a genuine believer holds fast, obeys, practices, and, and teaches the Word of God. Look at verse 7, John 15. If you abide in me, see the next phrase, and my words in you. It takes an investment to abide in the Word and the Word in us of time and of learning. We must hear, read, study, meditate, memorize, apply the Word of God and an ongoing process in our life. Y'all okay? It's discipleship one-on-one, but I guarantee you it's where you struggle. It's where I struggle. It's where we struggle. We we depart from the most basic element. That's where we become those branches that have a detachment from the vine, and our leaves begin to wither, and our fruit begins to dry up, and we become kind of complacent in our walk, and it becomes a drudgery instead of a delight, and, and all these things begin to shrivel up when we're not connected to the vine. Second, Jesus not only says the Word of God's important. You've got to abide in my words, but also he taught them to pray. He taught them to communicate. He lived it by example. And so Jesus gave them examples by departing and being by himself and praying before big decisions, after big decisions, before the cross. And, and they saw him pray. They heard him pray. At least twice we see Jesus instructing them how to pray. Look at verse 7, John 15 again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, it changes your prayer life. Look at it. You will ask what you desire. Now that's qualified by abiding. Here's what happens when we abide. When we abide, we understand the mind of Christ. And if we understand the mind of Christ and the purpose of God, then we understand what to pray for. So as we're connected and we're abiding in Christ, we're going to literally pray for what God wants us to pray for. And so when we do that, you can ask what you desire. Why? Because your desire is what God wants for you. Because you're abiding, you're connected, and then it shall be done for you. Because of a commitment to God's Word, true disciples are devoted to God's purposes, and then their prayers are fruitful. There's a third thing, though, that Jesus taught those who followed Him. Know the Word of God. Live in obedience to the Word of God. Pray. Commune. Fellowship with the Father. But then He also taught them to communicate the gospel as they lived out their life. He was called Jesus a friend of sinners, Luke chapter 7. In other words, Jesus cared for people who were far from God. One thing that disturbs me as a pastor is to hear active church members say, I don't know any lost people. Shame on you. And that is not like Christ. It is our business as we live our life in this community in our context to get to know the people around us. And it's not hard to discern who might need to know Christ and then to identify them and begin to pray for them and begin to invest in them that they may know Christ too.
Jesus was a friend of sinners. He modeled a personal and a public uh, evangelism. He sent his disciples to go do what he had been doing in front of them. He trained his men to invest their lives into the lives of people. Let me ask you, who are you discipling and who is discipling you? Let me ask you, who are you praying for that they might be saved? Who are you asking God to give you an opportunity to speak the gospel into their life? Dear church, I think this is an area that we've become detached in and our leaves have shriveled up. Some of them have fallen off. The fruit is beginning to shrivel up. That's why churches are by the majority declined and plateaued is because we are just not actively sharing the good news of the gospel. We're not living it out. We come to church and we'll amen it. We'll come to church and we'll memorize it. We'll come to church and we'll know this is who we are and what we're about. But what happens when we live it out? Do they know that we know Jesus? Look at verse 5, John 15. Again, I am the vine, you're the branch. He who abides in me and I in him will bear what? Much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Is it much fruit or nothing? And the difference is the abiding relationship. Where are we at with that? The key word is abide. The mark of a true disciple is progression, growth. Not perfection, but progression. Number three. A growing disciple is deployed for Jesus. I really think this is where our weak point is. True disciples are engaged in the ministry of Jesus. What is that? Making disciples. How do we do that? Investing in people. How do we do that? Share with them our story of God's amazing grace and salvation. How do we do that? Share with them what we do know that God has instructed us. How do we do that? Just take time to invest in people. How do we do that? Identify people who need to know Jesus, have a heart of compassion for them, pray for them, and invest in them. Jesus' supreme purpose, again, is to seek and to save that which was what? He had eyes to see. Wouldn't a good prayer be, oh, God, give us, Liberty Baptist, eyes to see our community? But not only do we need to see as he sees, oh, God, give us a heart that cares, a heart of compassion as our Savior had. As Jesus' mission was to seek and to save the lost, that's our mission. There's only one reason the church is alive and well on the face of the earth today. That is to carry out the mission Jesus began called making disciples. And by the way, when we see our Savior face to face, that's what we'll be measured by. How well we invested our time, our talent, and our treasure for His purpose for us. And it's not by, by how successful we are in our vocation, how much money we make, what kind of house we live in, what kind of neighborhood we have, how many grandkids we have. Or it's none of that's really going to measure up in kingdom measurement. It's how we invested our life to make Christ known and help others to grow up to be like Christ. So here's my question to you this morning as we close. What's your next step? What's your next step? Is it discover Christ that you might be born again? 
Maybe you're here today and, and you're just kind of coming because life is miserable and life has become tough and you're looking for answers and you got far more questions than you have answers and the world's not making sense to you. There's a lot of bad news that's out there and you're coming and you're just searching and you might be crying out, does anybody understand? Does anybody care? Let me tell you something. There is one who does and his name is Jesus. And God's already demonstrated through Christ who came and died on a cross and shed his blood and rose again on the third day a greater love for you than anybody else would have. And God would like for you to receive the gift of salvation through his son Jesus and become a new creation in Christ and become a person who has purpose to live out your life for the rest of your days here on earth. There's only one that can forgive sin and his name is Jesus. Salvation is by no other name save the name of Jesus. You can't earn it. You're not good enough for it. You cannot uh, be in the right denomination to obtain it. It is surrender to the authority of Christ. Acknowledge that you're broken in sin and, and call out to Jesus in your helpless estate and say, I need a Savior. And in repentance, turning from sin, and in faith, total trust in Christ and His work on the cross, you can be born again. There's somebody here this morning, that's your next step. But also, there are believers that are here this morning. You know that if you were to die today, you're going to go to heaven. I want to ask you, and discovering Christ, is your next step obedience? Maybe it's obedience for consistency. Maybe it's obedience to the Word of God. Maybe it's obedience to serve. Whatever it is, whatever that discovery is, that, that maybe it's just obedience to abide, to remain, to stay connected. What's your next step? Serve others? Are you a worship only? person, well, that's part of the process, but there's more. God has uniquely gifted you with a spiritual effectiveness called a gift that you can give back to Him by investing in others in the body and through the body. Do you have a place of service? If not, you're not fully obedient. If not, you're not experiencing the joy of being a follower of Christ to help others grow in their relationship with Christ. How's your growth? Are you developing? Is there fruit, more fruit, much fruit? There's a progression that God is looking for. If not, why not? How's your abiding relationship through prayer, through the Word, and through evangelism, through, through living your life for the glory of Christ? Let me give you some ideas of commitments. Salvation. Surrender. Lord, I am a born-again believer. I want to be a faithful follower of Christ. And I want Jesus to be my one and only. So today, I dedicate my life to be fully devoted to Him. Maybe it's I'm not developing. I know I know Jesus, but I'm not connected. The branch has been severed. Not completely, but the life-giving flow is hindered through selfishness or through sinfulness. Repent of your sin and be grafted back in fully to that vine that is the life-giving source. Deployed. Maybe you do fairly well, but you're really not faithful of living your life intentional by making Christ known. Do you wake up in the morning and ask God to give you courage to have eyes to see others, a heart of compassion to love on them, and to invest your life in this day 
so that somebody might see Jesus in you, so that somebody might come to know Jesus, whether you're a student in high school or middle school, whether we are grown-ups and go to work, whether we're on staff and we minister through in and through the local church. Uh, our mission is to make Christ known by living for his glory. Men and women, there's one opportunity coming up, and, and I believe in it because I've seen God work through it. It's called Faith Walk. First two weekends of October is a discipleship weekend. If you're struggling to develop, if you're struggling to be consistent and remain in Christ, I encourage you to join me, man, on the first weekend of October and go to Faith Walk. Uh, I look forward to it. It's not magic, but it is something that when men set aside their phones and their watches and their work schedules and they go and seek God together, God does some amazing things. And I encourage you to be a part of that. Same is true for the women the following weekend. Again, it's not a magic thing. What happens at Faith Walk ought to happen on Sunday, every 52 weeks out of the year. Because the Word of God goes forth. Christ is being exalted. But it's an opportunity maybe to spur you on and, and get you started in a deeper walk with Jesus. As the Holy Spirit speaks to your heartbeat, we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to have a time of invite. It might be the right time for you to come stand or kneel at the altar and just say, Oh, God, I'm drying up. I'm not well connected. I'm not hungering and thirsting. I'm not consistent. In the word and prayer, much less in my witness. Oh, God, give me eyes to see. Give me a heart that loves Give me a courage to be bold for your glory. That's what our life is going to be measured by. May we be faithful, church, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Let's pray. Father, by your Spirit, direct our thoughts, direct our obedience. Father, I pray that we'll just yield to the power of the Holy Spirit of God at work within us. I pray John 15, 5 is a reality that we will long to abide and receive the promise of our Savior that says, if you abide in me and I in you, uh, you'll bear much fruit. Thank you, Father. You didn't call us to produce the fruit, to manufacture it because we can't. Forgive us when we try but you've called and commanded us to abide and to stay connected to a Savior. And He gives the fruit. And I pray that our lives will be characterized when it's all said and done like Jesus, Christ-like. May others know who we are and whose we are by how we live out life. In Jesus' name. Amen.